All right, we're going to have a little fun again with the pre-party. We haven't done the show yet. We're getting ready to. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we like to give you a little exclusive content you can only get right here on the podcast by checking out and hanging out with us. Sarah, we got a lot of uh, important things to get into. Number one, I just want to let you know it's been 24 hours. I have not yet in that time learned how to swim or ride a bike. So I'm still <laughs> devoid of basic life skills. And for all the things that I can do, sort of, uh, reading and riding a bike and swimming seem to be three things that just completely escape. I can I'm, read. I just yeah, don't Yeah, I might need to go to the to the public on this one some point during tonight's show <laughs> and just determine which one needs to be accomplished earlier because I refused. So it's sort of like when I hosted with Izzy Gutierrez, Izzy in Spain, uh, I found out that he had only been to three concerts in his life as he was nearing the age of 40. And it was so upsetting to me that I, I essentially made it my life's mission to make him appreciate and realize the joy of live music. And then I turned him into a monster. He was showing up at festivals in Snuggies all summer long. And uh, I think that my goal with our partnership is by the end of this year, at least, this hellscape of 2020, I need to have at least one of those things tackled. And probably a bike is easier out in Connecticut versus finding a warm body of water with the remaining warm months. So I think I'm going to make it my job to assign someone to teach you how to ride a bike and then show us on the old uh, social medias. Okay, but see, here's the thing. If I'm going to have to pick one of the two to to actually learn, I don't feel like I've ever heard the phrase, well, he died because he couldn't ride a bike. However, he died because he couldn't swim. Seems like now. uh, But if you want to prioritize swimming at 41 or however old you are, if you want to be the one who's pointing out how absurd and terrible and stupid it is that you don't know how, I'm with you on that. I was going for the easier one to accomplish, but I would much prefer that you could save yourself if thrown into a body of water. Could I, uh, you know, again, it all comes back to Below Deck where they have these awesome, you know, (laughs) yacht toys and one of them is a bike on water. What if we just, maybe we have them bring us on to Below Deck without, of course, making us pay for it? Because according to, I think it was Seth Rogen that said that when they ask you to come on that show, you still have to pay like 40 grand or something. So, you know, getting a yacht trip. Yeah, they can give us the free yacht trip. And while we're there, I'll learn how to both ride a bike. And swim. Okay, well, while you're trying to negotiate a deal with Below Deck, I'm just going to mail you some swim floaties, uh, (laughs) and I'm going to assign somebody scary, uh, maybe somebody much bigger than you, maybe a Golik Jr., maybe a Marcus Spears, uh, somebody large at the company is going to be your swim instructor and scare you into figuring this out. This is a life skill that you need to tackle. That's probably, at least when I scream like a little child, uh, it'll be under the water as opposed to when I'm riding a bike where the entire <laughs> state of Connecticut will hear it. So that's a, that's a, that's a win Glad for everybody. Glad we got everybody. that figured out. <laughs> now that we've got that figured out, uh, we also have to figure out food because as has been uh, noted many times, uh, some might say that I have the worst food takes in the history of man. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, under, I understand that not everybody agrees with my, my great logic, Sarah, but I think... I may have found a hill that you and I can die on together. I, you know, this is this is a, a shining moment because a lot of times when I, I reveal these things to the world, suddenly, you know, everybody disagrees with me. I think you and I are about to have this come together moment because, you know, there was a rant. And this is a long since uh, talked about thing in the world of social media in general. But boneless chicken wings constantly come up. And somebody in Nebraska uh, brought his hot takes to a city council meeting and uh, went to city council. That's right. City council to voice his uh, opposition to boneless wings. I, I don't understand necessarily wasting time on that in a year where there's a lot more pressing issues. But 
if I'm going to go to city council with the food take, I don't think the worst one is that boneless wings are better than boned-in wings. Like, he's got this all wrong. Boneless wings are the champion of the world. I would argue that he went there because he had some clever ideas that he wanted to go viral, like the idea of calling them wet tenders or saucy nugs, which, by the way, saucy nugs is a name that I could get down with for anything. It could be a band name. It could be an item of food. Uh, it, it could be a description of somebody's uh, juicy butt, whatever it is. Saucy nugs I'm down with. I think his point was not that they were inferior. <laughs> we just, wait, wait, wait. Are we just going to gloss over that you went... <laughs> You went Someone walked by with a nice butt, like bat to back on that juicy derriere, and I might be like, check out the saucy nugs on that guy. I might be down with that. Somebody in the world explain to me why all of this is is not uncomfortable, but one simple usage of the word moist suddenly makes the entire world cringe. I don't. uh, uh, Anyway, that's the end of my. my, Can't believe you inserted that word into this conversation unnecessarily. I don't think he was deriding the quality of a boneless wing. He was merely implying that it is a perhaps false advertising to call it a wing when it is in fact a tender. And you know what? It's probably true. But the problem is when you think of a tender, you're normally thinking of a dry breaded tender that you then dip into something like say a honey mustard or a barbecue. Delicious. Wonderful. When in fact, when you get a boneless wing, it's more likely like he said to be wet and be cooked in that buffalo sauce and then met with some sort of ranch sauce. I think since we all accept what a chicken wing is like, adding boneless in front of it tells you exactly what you're going to get in a better way than calling it a tender does, using less words. And boneless chicken wings, when I still ate chicken, were just infinitely better than the ones where you've got the creepy little tendons and blood and like things that connected the meat to the bone. No, thank you. I would like a nice circular piece of white meat. Much better. I want something easy to eat. And like the other part of it is I'm not a big, like, I don't really love messy eating in general. So then, mm-hmm. you know, you're out someplace where suddenly you're eating. And, and look, when I was eating the wings, when I wasn't uh, plant-based with most of my diet, I definitely could, I mean, I can hoss up on some wings. I'll admit <laughs> that. But there's this element of, like, then I realize suddenly I'm on my third, you know, bucket of wings and I've got sauce going from my elbows to my fingertips because I eat like a child. Well, so. and that's an important part, too, is it also forces you and causes you to eat really fast because you're at that spot where you're like, do I want to clean off my hands and take a break? Or do I want to just keep powering through because I already have messy hands? And so then you tend to just power through and eat things much faster and enjoy them less. And then you take a break, you wash your hands, you take a sip of your beer, and then you're right back in with the messy fingers. Whereas a nice boneless wing, you can use a knife and fork, like an adult, and, uh, you know, take your pauses and your drinks in between whenever you damn well please. And to me, it's a little like the uh, crab or lobster debate. You know, like I, I went to high school in a uh, part of Maryland where everybody had those little tiny Maryland blue crabs, and it was always weird to me watching people take joy in spending hours cracking tiny blue crabs. Like, I would rather take all of the time, crack them, pile up the meat. When I have a substantial pile of meat, I am now ready to eat. Like, I'm very, no surprise. I'm very logistical and you know <laughs> compartmentalized in these things. Like, that's the only way it makes sense to me. It's a little to that same argument. Like, I just want to be able to eat freely whenever I feel like eating. So uh, having the, the boneless wing allows me the opportunity to even fork and knife it if I really want to be particularly bougie. The only thing I disagree with you on is it's never good to go in a ranch sauce it's going to go in a blue cheese sauce because oh no you got to go basically both. glorified mayo so no I'm, I'm no no in. first of all ranch sauce is magical and i used to be team anti-mayo and then i discovered via doing a recipe during quarantine 
from my favorite taco place in New Zealand. Yes, my favorite taco place is in New Zealand. That if you mix a chipotle salsa with mayo, you have the most amazing taco sauce. And then it occurred to me that mayo is only gross when it's by itself and when it's called mayo. Because it just looks gross and it coagulates and it's gloppy and it's white. But if you mix it with other things, whew, delicious. <laughs> and so this is, is ranch. This, no, ranch. Ranch is okay. That's a, like Good ranch is okay. That's of the best I can say. But bad blue cheese is still epic. Like in, in the Ugh. world of the dressings Ugh. that I'm- oh, Bad blue cheese where they haven't properly separated the larger chunks. So every once in a while you just get this giant chunk. No, thank you. Oh, I'm the one that actually not enough to dip my wing through. Like, if I went to a wing establishment, I'd run it through the bowl until I could find the massive chunk so that I could bring that chunk to me. Like, I want all the moldy cheese that I can get. This is, I miss that. That's one thing in life I definitely miss as I try to, you know, not eat like a, Listen, a jerk Listen, you can make yourself some amazing buffalo cauliflower or buffalo fake chicken with a C H I K apostrophe N. And still eat your blue cheese, assuming that the blue cheese is probably not vegan. That's the only thing. It depends on whether you're going full vegan or you're just going vegetarian. Well, uh, you know, it's all a process. But I will say this. Uh, the uh, I, don't, I don't care what anybody says. When you take cauliflower and you, you put it in any of these sauces, it is spectacular. So Magical. I'm all in. Uh, look at that. This look, might be Sarah the only I... sports show that involves multiple episodes where we've discussed plant-based eating. I think I think we're 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 making up for literal decades of just talking about meat. That is probably probably very fair. And if there's anything I know, we will we will reveal and judge each other's spreads on game days, I'm sure. So that's the one thing you can count on. The other thing you can count on is a great time with Spain and Fitz. We got a lot to we got into tonight. We want you to check it out. Thanks as always for hanging out with us for the little exclusive bit. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, family, enemies, tell everybody to do that so that you can hang out and do this every single day with us. Sarah, let's have a show now. Even in the thick of the NBA playoffs and all the madness of the bubble, it feels like a lot of people still have one eye on the Brooklyn Nets. And today that turned to two eyes and a lot of conversation as the Brooklyn Nets, a team expected by many to be a championship contender next year, made a hiring coach today that has many people surprised. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Got some great guests that will join us over the course of the next couple of hours on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Sarah, obviously a lot of people were surprised, and we'll start with some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. As Steve Nash was hired by the Brooklyn Nets to take over a team that next year is going to get Kyrie, next year is going to get KD. It's a team that's going to be stacked with talent that, uh, frankly, I've said a lot this year that there's pressure on the Bucks to try and win now because it's going to be tougher next year with Brooklyn. So when we knew that Brooklyn was going to hire a coach, for a lot of people, we expected one of the names we hear a lot. Nobody expected Steve Nash, somebody that's sort of come out of nowhere, never been a head coach before, is now the head coach by the Nets. It was, at the very least, surprising. Absolutely, yeah. And I think there's a lot of personal ties that that connect Steve Nash to the squad. It makes sense in those ways. He's been a longtime associate and friend of GM Sean Marks. They were teammates together with the Suns and knew each other from international competition before that. He was a consultant with the Warriors and had a great relationship with Kevin Durant, one that's been written about in the past where KD speaks a ton about the leadership and advice that he gave him during that tenure there. He was uh, a part of Team Canada in in a certain, uh, I, I believe, a GM for that team, though never actually a coach. So there's a lot of connections between Nash and this team where you say, okay, I get it. Like They, they really seem to know him as a person, as a leader, as an innovator, 
and someone who's going to bring this team together, the disparate parts, the ones that played this year, and then those returning superstars in Durant and, and Kyrie. I think the biggest thing, of course, is when you're in a team that has a win-now window, which they do with those superstars, how risky is it to bring in a guy that doesn't have a single day of coaching experience? Well, and that to me is, I think, the biggest surprise in it because when you mentioned the the championship window for Brooklyn, I mean, it's almost laughable that we're talking about this with the Nets, but that's where they really are. And they're a team that is going to continue to try and build. They're not even done doing uh, the growth that they intend to do to their roster. So, Sarah, you know, I found myself a little surprised when you're talking about giving that to somebody that's never been in that position but there are so many championship expectations. The two things don't really match to me. So it, it, it's difficult. Now, you mentioned there's a relationship between Sean Marks, Brooklyn Nets GM, and obviously Steve Nash. And that's something that Sean Marks addressed on the Woj podcast when he talked about uh, where this sort of sparked from. Yeah, Steve would certainly have picked up some of Steve Kerr's traits. And I'm sure they picked each other's brain a lot from, from time to time, which, you know, I, I think that's led Steve to – to, to, to want to make this decision and want to jump in, in, in right now. And obviously it never hurts when you've already got a rapport um, with some of our players, which, which Steve has. And, you know, he's got the respect of everybody in the league because of how he's conducted himself over the lifetime of his career. And Listen, Sarah, if you want one... to compare him to anyone who has had success without coaching experience before their head coaching gig, Steve Kerr's the one you want to go with. Uh, because you you alerted me to the fact, and, and I was unaware of this, that uh, Steve Nash becomes the 16th coach to get a head coaching gig in the NBA without any prior coaching experience. Some of those, many of those, most of those would like to be forgotten. There's a lot of ones in the column for number of seasons as a coach. There's a lot of low percentages for win percentages. And then Steve Kerr stands out there as now being six seasons into his tenure, having won 18 series, five playoff appearances, a 71% win percentage. Uh, He's more of an outlier than the rest of these names that got a real good shot at it and did not have a lot of success in their first go-round. Right. And to that end, you know, obviously there was a lot of conversation today, not just from Stephen A., but from many across the board about whether or not this was uh, the right hire, not just because Steve Nash has no prior experience. But let's face it, that we are in 2020 in a socially conscious world. And you look around and say, man, uh, would a black head coach get that same opportunity? That's a fair conversation that's been going around uh, ESPN and everywhere today. And that's why I point out that Steve Nash is now. Uh, the the 17th, 16 came before NBA head coaches without prior coaching experience. It's a pretty staggering list. Uh, but I, I think to me, it's not even just, again, the white or black portion of it. It's so focused on the lack of experience around uh, when you've got a team that's built around Kyrie and Kevin uh, Kevin Durant. And that's why I think it's difficult for me to make sense. And, and then on top of that, Wendy, Brian Winhorse, ESPN NBA senior writer, host of the Hoop Collective podcast, was on Greeny with Mike Greenberg earlier today and talked about the the fact that the Nets aren't even done. Even with the two stars that I just mentioned, they're still looking to acquire more great players. One of the things that is believed out there is that the Nets may be in the market to make a big trade this summer. Some teams, because of the financial challenges of next season, are not going to have a lot of flexibility. Well, Joseph Tsai, the owner of the Nets, is one of the richest men in the world. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, he liquidated $3 billion in stock. People were so curious as to why he did it. They thought he might be buying the uh, trying to buy the New York Mets. But this is a guy who does not have financial challenges. He can go forward with it. So I say 
even with the inexperienced head coach, for the reasons that you just said, for the in the uh, the, the the window that might be opening in the Eastern Conference, I think you go for it with a healthy two young stars and see if you can steal a championship in 2021. That's some straight talk. Straight talk wireless. No contracts. No compromise. Sarah, uh, it's interesting to me. If you were coming into a job like this, would you want to be somebody that has had the opportunity to sit on the bench and learn as an assistant, as an assistant coach, or do you just want to come in and, and go guns blazing and do it your own way, your own self? Well, that was the first place my brain went when I thought of this because you've got a guy like Tim Duncan, who is an incredible Hall of Fame talent as a player, but is sitting behind Popovich with the Spurs, learning what it is to be a coach. A lot of people were surprised by that, and a lot of, of the best great players have not wanted to necessarily work their way up the system. It might be because there's a lot more money and there's a lot more cachet in being a head coach, but there's a lot of pressure there as well. And when I look at this list of a lot of very well-known and well-respected players who did not succeed as coaches when they immediately took over as head coach without prior experience, I do wonder if it's not the best setup for someone, if it doesn't put someone in a position to succeed. Again, he's taking over a roster that's got some incredible talent on it. And maybe the point is that the unique characteristics and qualities of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant meant that they would be more comfortable with someone that's closer to their generation, that's you know, not someone who's got that reputation of a longtime coach like a Popovich that was rumored to be out there uh, in the mix or at least uh, was coveted by the Nets. Maybe they want that out of him, someone who's a little rawer and more willing to adjust to them versus coming in with their own style that they expect the players to adjust to. But it is a big risk for a team that wants to win now, and it's a huge risk for Steve Nash because sometimes you get that first opportunity without necessarily earning it, and if you fail miserably, it's hard to get another one. Whereas had you sat behind someone for a year or two and figured out, the rhythms of being a coach and the demands of it, uh, you might be better set up to take over uh, the head spot. Yeah, and it's such an interesting process to try and figure out how the Nets are building because we really haven't seen much of KD, right? And so when you mentioned the personality and personality management and who's going to be the dominant, who's the alpha in all of this, and who's the star, and, and those are the moments that I think do actually influence a little bit of a, the right coach and the right hire. And Steve Kerr is partially great because he's great at managing personalities. That will certainly be part of what we expect to happen from Steve Nash, uh, you know, with the Nets. But it is an interesting point that you bring up that obviously when you are creating a locker room that already has two top stars, they may, as Wendy said, be aggressive in trying to get a third top star. You start to look around and say, well, maybe they didn't need a big aggressive personality as a head coach. Maybe it's better for them to take a look around and figure out who can manage those personalities the best, but also sort of step back and know when to take the limelight and when not to. Yeah, the only thing I would say is there's a lot of conjecture about both those guys. Kyrie, because of the flatter stuff and the Illuminati posts and the you know, unique personality that he has at times, despite also being very well respected and considered a leader by many within that league. And then KD with the burner accounts and the willingness to engage with people on social media. The conjecture tends to be extremely negative. I don't always see it that way, especially with KD. I think I understand sometimes wanting to be able to talk to people without them thinking this is Kevin Durant, right? Just have conversations as a normal person. Um, and I think we, we underestimate what it is to be a, an early 20s superstar in the midst of, uh, of social media that's going on right now. Um, but I, I, my only concern would be that they wanted someone who they felt they had the upper hand on versus a respected longtime coach. You don't want to let them be running things there. I think you still need to have a firm hand. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. 
One game underway right now, and it is tied. Toronto and Boston tied at 19 each with about four and a half left in the first. Coming up, we'll get you caught up on that. Plus, a lot of NBA news, so we need some NBA expertise from one of our favorites. We'll talk to Cheney Ogumike next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Oh my God, look at the case. Spain and Fitz on ESPN oh Radio, God, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, oh Channel 80, Jason Fitz, Sarah Spain, presented by Progressive Insurance. There's a lot of big stuff going on in the NBA right now, and uh, we need to get to the bottom of all of it. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drive, drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. We're joined now on the Shell Penzo Performance Line by one of our favorites, Cheney Ogumike. You can listen to her every single day before us on Cheney and Golik Jr. Cheney, thank you so much for hanging out with us. First and foremost, we've got a lot of NBA to get to, but uh, also, uh, you know, I want to give you a chance to respond because Sarah pointed out <laughs> yesterday that you're maybe great at everything but one thing. Maybe mm-hmm. you are not an extraordinary, possibly not an extraordinary singer. Uh, in fact, I think we have a little clip here. Maybe, uh, guys, what? I think we can play this. You By know, it's hard shirt. out here for us. I can hear it calling. Oh, incredible. In the, I can oh. feel it calling in the air. Chine, That's not that bad, you, in my, my opinion. <laughs> really? That's really not that bad. I really can nail it. I mean, you, you didn't know, have the words right. out uh, here for a pill. That oh was, boy. come on now. Oh, boy. That, You're that talking to a professional only... musician here, Chanae. Uh, that is true. Okay, we should settle this. I feel like obviously none of us are fantastic singers. I would def- defer to Fitz, Oof. but but I someone made a Fitz. living doing it. Uh, well, I mean. uh, okay, okay, okay. Look, look. This is what I'm saying here. It, it's the music. The music aspect is is a complete <laughs> bias. It's sort of like me saying we should play basketball. That's a complete bias. Like we right, should right, eliminate right. that for the competition. Maybe we should go like who can ride a bike or um, who can swim. <laughs> Uh-huh. Got him. Mm-hmm. Somebody has been somebody has been clued in on some of my weaknesses. Here's the difference, though, Sinead. Like I know that unless it's on a four foot rim against a child, I can't dunk. So I'm not going to try and do it on TV unless I have Ooh, to. You tried her. to sing. You brought it. You brought it to the Thanksgiving table. Now we all got to eat it. So let's. This is you know, that's, great. That's where I started this, this fight, and now you guys are just going at each other. I have to assume it's because I have no weaknesses. I, yeah, well, you, what would you be coming after me for? You're pretty versatile, Sarah. You really are. Wow, pretty versatile. That's so, good about that. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. I'm the um, okay, Today, so I just thought of a great here. name for your fantasy football team. I know you will be competing against us in the wet bleep pigskin just for fits and gliggles league. Uh, <laughs> very well named by our listeners. Uh, maybe um, watch me whip. Watch me chenene. Oh. <laughs> Watch me whip. Oh, my God. Oh, look at me. I'm already singing. Watch You're me. You're singing again. It. It's happening. I, I can't, I, yeah, I'm kind of feeling like Chine Chine Bang Bang or like what about the neighborhood. What it do, babe Chine, Chine Bay. <laughs> what it do, Chine Bay. Chine Bay. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many wow. hilarious suggestions, including like thigh meat for a junior and stuff. So, oh, boy. So yeah, I'll sift yeah. through. Or it could be for your thirsty Instagram post. Both of y'all are really about the thigh meat. What are you talking about? Your show should basically be called Thigh Meat and Thigh Meat. Thigh Meat Square. Thigh Meat. Dark dark and mild. Dark and... Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's ask you an actual (laughs) NBA question since we've got you. Uh, Obviously... Uh, a lot of conversation today about Steve Nash. I know you guys talked about it on your show as well, but give us your quick thoughts on Nash and why you think he will or won't be a good fit with the Nets. So I I know there's been a lot of sentiments here because of the climate we're in and, and how he probably was the only person really, I guess, looked to or vetted 
uh, and basically selected. And we, we'd want to have a system where everyone gets an equal opportunity, especially those that are in a league that's predominantly black, you know, black candidates, brown candidates, diverse candidates should be at the forefront of our mind. And so when we hear out of left field that Steve Nash is hired, it sort of triggers what, what we're feeling now in society when it comes to job fairness and, and that type of stuff when it comes to the interview. That all being said, when I'm looking at Brooklyn, we all knew that the number one criteria for this franchise was to get someone that sort of reflects the, the nature of their stars. What, what do the stars want? Will they be able to check the stars? Will they have the respect of the stars, KD and Kyrie? We knew that was the number one criteria, and, and it would have to be signed off and, and blessed by those two. And so for me, when there's a lot of criticism out there, because Steve Nash sort of just came and had no coaching experience, at least at a high level. Uh, we know he's coached uh, KD as like from a distance as a player development type of situation. I know personally within the basketball community, everyone knows that Steve Nash, both, you know, in the way we talk about Kobe cared about basketball, period, both men's players, women's players. He always was an open door and was always going the extra mile to help you as a player, um, even once he stops playing. So we have this positive sentiment. And, and this is the, the internal, the external is that he's a Hall of Famer. And he's one of the greatest basketball minds. So it made sense to me that this was a choice because I think this is a great growth opportunity for Kyrie Irving to have another elevated basketball mind, sort of show him how to enhance his game with the passing. I think it's a great opportunity for KD just because he respects him from the Golden State experience and he he knows what it takes to win by watching Steve Kerr manage those superstars and now maybe that's the carry over to Brooklyn. So it made sense, even though the climate, there are a lot of questions on how we got to where it is. It makes sense to me that this hire was made because most importantly, it was two black men that probably needed to bless this whole thing. And so I'm going to defer to their judgment in this instance, even though we hope procedurally there will be more people interviewed so that the league can, you know, at least in the highest levels when it comes to coaching, reflects the players. Shanae Ogumuke of Shanae and Golik Jr. with us here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, Tim Legler was on KJ and Z this morning talking about the Bucks as they fall down in an 0-2 hole. Here's what he had to say. Now they've got themselves in an 0-2 hole, and, and I think it's an insurmountable. I picked the Heat to win the series regardless, but now 2-0, are they going to beat that team four out of five times? I think the Heat are the smartest team in the league. I think they're the best passing team in the league. Mm-hmm. And they have ways to solve um, you know, big moments with guys that can take the ball anywhere on the court. Butler, Dragic, both of those guys, honestly, I trust more in a big situation against a half-court defense to make great decisions and score wherever they have to than either Antetokounmpo or Middleton. And honestly, that to me, that's the biggest impediment to the Bucks winning this series. Not, not that call at the end of the game, although it's just incredibly unfortunate timing. Shanae, you with him on this, and are you ready to call the Bucks a done deal here? I'm not ready to call the Bucks a done deal because I think this is I've been waiting for a moment where where Giannis he's starting to realize that this is the hardest part of being a superstar the expectation of managing those and we saw him sort of falter in the sense that uh, when asked why didn't you guard Jimmy Butler he 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 basically deflected and said oh well I followed the game plan well even though you follow the game plan the next step in your your career you've already now proven to likely be a two-time MVP a defensive player of the year this year and, and now you're being challenged not just by you know you know the your opponent but also this is the challenge that you have to take you have to unleash the inner beast there's one thing to average 30 points and 14 rebounds and six assists or so in the regular season but to take the next step as that top tier player you have to do what Kawhi Leonard does and take on Luka Doncic down the stretch or even LeBron James sort of guarding you know whoever it needs to be especially this year that's been the shift that Anthony Davis keeps pointing to he himself was a a candidate for defensive player of the year so I expect Giannis to respond I don't think it's a done deal because 
we still potentially can go seven. But the way this momentum works, you're playing with how it was fire. And literally in the Miami Heat where you've given a team confidence and that's the worst thing you can do because confidence with Jimmy Butler is their absolute strength. And that's why we love talking to Cheney Ogumike, stuff like that. It's absolutely incredible. You can listen to her on Cheney and Golik Jr. as always, weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and Radio and ESPN News. on my fantasy football team this season. <laughs> y'all can get all that There's going to be so much trash. Looking forward to Chanae. the name. I hope you're ready for <laughs> Don't it. let us down. You have a lot of options. You. <laughs> you're right. Love y'all. Thanks Appreciate y'all. Congrats us, on the show. Appreciate Thanks, learning so too. much from y'all. Chene is the best. Uh, even if she can't sing, uh, I still love her to death. She's absolutely amazing. But I at least, noticed... you know, she tried to fight it, and then she was like, you know what, you're right. Maybe I maybe I should do some other things. <laughs> I just love the fact that Sarah dialed it up and then let us go at it. All right, coming up, Bobby Marks will give us more insight on the questions around the hirings today on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. That's just a little sneak peek of the pre-show that we recorded for the podcast be sure to get out there and check out the Spain and Fitz podcast wherever you enjoy your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, family, everybody to check it out. Every night we give you something exclusive that you can't get in the show tonight. Yeah. Uh, a lot of conversation Saucy about... Saucy Nugs pre-party. I mean, it, it, it maybe like that should be the new name of it, the Saucy Nugs pre-party. Like, I, I'm not getting less uh, <laughs> And the Juicy Bits after party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz, and I've already lost control. All right. Uh, don't forget, by the way, so much of the conversation that we're having tonight is about the Nets and their uh, choice decision to hire Steve Nash as a coach. Their GM, Sean Marks, will join Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin tomorrow morning at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern. So make sure you're checking out the morning show from 6 to 10 anyway, but you want to check it out tomorrow particularly. We're going to head over to the Shell Penzo Performance Line now to talk to ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks. Bobby, thanks for the time, man. I appreciate it. And I'm always curious to talk to you because you've been in these front offices. What's the process like for the Nets as they're looking to hire a coach and they come to a decision to hire somebody that has no head coaching experience. Well, you're right. <laughs> and I went through it in 2013, which when we hired Jason Kidd. So it's, it's a similar, um, a similar situation where, you know, Jason had, was just coming off a year playing with the, with the, uh, with the Knicks, you know, this is a little bit different because Steve's been out of the league and has kind of, you know, been around that warrior organization for, you know, the last, you know, 44 or five years here. So he's, he's been part of that organization um, there. So, yeah, I mean, I think Jason, when we are Jason, was a lot different just because the roster was not as good as where it is in Brooklyn right now. And there was so much expectation from us and for a coach who had never done it before and putting together a staff. And um, I think Steve has, uh, there's an advantage there with Kyrie and Kevin, certainly when you have two franchise players and they're under contract for, for three years. Um, to be able to retain Jock Vaughn, who really did a great job um, in the interim, and you can kind of use him as a a sponge of, of knowledge. And then I think, you know, having a relationship with Sean Marks, you know, they've been friends for over 20 years and there's that support there. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're in a win now mode, but I, I don't think it will be a point where, you know, if Steve gets off to a, let's say 10 and 10 start, you know, you're not going to be hearing um, whispers that his job is going to be in jeopardy. And I think that's, that's where really what doomed kind of Jason back in 2013-14 was there was so much adversity going on there, and I just don't see that as the case in this situation. Bobby, there's a ton of other stuff to get to. As much as I want to dig even deeper on the Nashar, I think we have time on that. Let's get to some of what's going on now in the playoffs. Uh, the Rockets survive. How far do you think this team needs to go? Is it all the way to a title win in order to keep this coach and this roster intact? Yeah, I mean, I even, Sarah, I had written their article in case they had lost 
and ready to go last night. And I had made to try to make a case for keeping Mike, even if they had lost. And I understand, I get the, I get the business of the NBA and there would have been a change here. And I mean, all the guy does is win. <laughs> I mean, he's got like a 68% uh, winning percentage and he's never lost in the first round. And he, you know, we, we know we can go through the records here, but he's been there four years. That's usually kind of the shelf life. If you don't get to an NBA finals, that roster is locked in here. So did it save his job? Maybe for another ten days here. I think he'll have plenty of opportunities, and he's a free agent at the end of, at the end of the year here. But um, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting situation. But yeah, I think he would have probably been um, looking elsewhere for a new job if they did not win. I still think if they lose to the Lakers in this uh, in the second round, that they'll, they'll probably be looking for uh, a new coach here. We're talking to ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks. So let's go over to the other conference then, Bobby, because you and I have talked in the past about the pressure that's on the Bucks right now to try and win and keep you honest. They're down 0-2. What would you do to fix their situation? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, it, a lot of it is like the little things, right? Like loose balls, um, made free throws. You know, it's it's similar to where – it's similar to that Indiana series with with Miami, where they're basically just kind of outworking them. Um, the Heat are, um, you know, there are teams that are they have that DNA playoff mentality, which I think Miami does. I don't know if Milwaukee has it. I, I know last year falling short to Toronto, this year with um, um, you know where they're in the hole right now. I mean, at the end of the day, they need the supporting cast to play better. I mean, mi- between Middleton and and Bledsoe, and uh, you know, Brooke had a pretty good game. Um, you know, George Hill there. Um, the the concern going into this series was the ability for Miami. Miami's bread and butter is, is the long game. And with Robinson and Hero and Dragic playing great, they're going to probably have to make some type of adjustment there where maybe you're willing to give up points in the paint and to, you know, to defend kind of the perimeter a little bit better. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider with us on Spain and Fitz here on ESPN Radio. Uh, quickly, because I want to get uh, to another question, but quickly, do you think that uh, Giannis is making decisions in the future based on their success this year? He's going to have to think about it, Sarah, because this roster is locked in. I mean, you've got Middleton will have another four years. Bledsoe's got another few years. Lopez, George Hill. Um, there's not much flexibility as far as where they are. I mean, but it's, you know, they've won with 60 last year. They had the best record this year. Um, you're, he's going to have to look long and hard as far as, um, and it's not just about 2021, which is next year. It's, it's, is this roster sustainable when I'm in year two or three of this Supermax um, ex- extension? And what are my options outside of, of Milwaukee? I mean, there'll be, as you know, there'll be teams lined up, including the team he's facing right now. So whenever this series is done or if they do get through it, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to analyze as far as the, the big picture, as far as how good this roster can be, and not just in the regular season, as far as what changes need to be made for, you know, for, to be uh, you know, successful in the postseason. To, to follow ESP. up on that quickly, I just wanted to ask, do you think that it's prisoner of the moment and way too early for people to be questioning whether he could be a true number one that wins in a postseason? <laughs> well, following up on my former uh, – uh, um, he wasn't my teammate in New Jersey, but my, our former forward, Richard Jefferson, right. I heard him this morning. I think he, what did he call him? Did he call him Pippen? I think. Yeah. Or yeah. Yes. Pippen, not a number Jordan. two. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a number one during the regular season. My concern is, can he lead you? Can you get on his back? Can he close games when he gets to the postseason? And there's no proof of that right now. I mean, that, that's going to, he's going to have to change the narrative and it's, it will carry with him, you know, if they lose in this uh, in this series here. 
Yeah, but Bobby, how much of that is on the rest of the roster and the way it's constructed? I mean, do you really believe that he has the the elements around him that match what the Lakers or the Clippers or or the Celtics have around their stars? No, he doesn't have a number two. That's the thing. I think Chris Middleton is a solid number three. I think you know Eric Bledsoe has a role. I mean, concerned from a defensive uh, presence. I think Brooke has is you know uh, there's a role. There's a good supporting cast, but there is not that number two guy that can say like, hey, if I'm you know if I'm not having a great game, you know, great game for what Giannis is twenty nine and fourteen. Is there someone else out there like AD that can just give me a, give them a franchise level game, right? Is there a Kemba Walker to Jason Tatum that one two or even a Jalen Brown? And I don't, I'm not putting Milton in that in that conversation. It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. We're watching uh, the Raptors, a team that desperately needs to get a W here. Uh, when you're watching this series with the Celtics so far, are you thinking to yourself, well, yeah, this is a good regular season team that needs a Kawhi to compete in the postseason, or is it too early to say that they haven't learned from last year's victory and adopted a different uh, kind of reputation than what we saw before Kawhi joined? Yeah, I mean, they're really guard-reliant. I mean, if, if Larry and, and uh, Van Vliet are not making shots, um, you really need Siakam to play like an all-star, and I think there have been times, certainly yes, but um, compared to where Boston is and you know how deep that roster is, um, that's yeah, that's the concern as far as you know, kind of who is your closer. I think that they struggled when they were up, I guess, ten in, in game two. Here, we'll see what happens with this series. I, I mean, I picked Toronto in five, and I'm already I'm already behind the eight ball here. And, <laughs> but I also have their I also have their off season article already written. So I think uh, you know, I think we're leaning to potentially seeing the Celtics get through this this round here. And I think. It, it's another team that leads to a lot of questions going into the season, and, and they're one of those teams that's linked to, to um, Giannis as far as in 21 possibly. Um, and, you know, they've got a lot of decisions to make also. Bobby, as always, we appreciate your expertise. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us, my friend. Thanks, guys. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. Don't forget Pennzoil Synthetic Motor Oils. Made from natural gas, it gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. All right, we're going to switch gears. we got a lot of NBA we're going to get into over the course of the night, but obviously the NFL season uh, gets underway in a week. We're already there. One of the biggest questions that we had coming into the season was answered today. We'll tell you what it was next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Welcome back to Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We got Nuggets Clippers Game 1 coming up at 8.30 Eastern right here on ESPN Radio. But first, joining us, Dallas Wings forward Satu Sabali here on the Shell Penzel Performance Line. Satu, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. I want to get into the incredible rookie season you're having and what the Wings are doing. But since this is the first time on the show, we haven't gotten a chance to talk to you since... Your last collegiate season was unceremoniously ended by COVID uh, as you and your Oregon teammates were hoping for a title. And you go straight from that into the wobble, uh, a very weird way to start a professional career. What was that transition like for you? Um, You know, that transition was really uncertain. I don't think anyone knew what the bubbles or the wobble is going to look like, um, how, you know, how hard it's going to be like, even mentally and physically. So, it's been a really weird transition, but it's been going good so far. Satu, what was your decision-making process like in trying to decide whether or not you wanted to go into the wobble? You know, I um, at first I was really hesitant, especially 
with, you know, the murder of George Floyd and everything going on. And I haven't been at home for a long time in Germany. And so there was a lot of uncertainty and I did not know I really wanted to go. But then with the whole league deciding that we're playing, you know, under the label of Black Lives Matter and saying her name, I thought it was even a bigger reason for me to come out and play. And I also really did not want to miss my rookie year. You know, although we did not know how it's going to look like, I did want to play. And in the end, it is what I love. So I really wanted to be out there on the court. Satu Sabali, Oregon star who's now with the Dallas Wings with us here on Spain and Fitz. Great story in SI by Erica Ayala talking about you as a unicorn, a rookie of the year candidate, <laughs> a political firebrand off the court. Uh, you can do all things at such an early time in your career. How easy is it, or, or maybe it isn't easy, but my assumption is joining a league like the WNBA that has been on the forefront of political causes and social uh, policy issues uh, makes it a little easier if that's something you're passionate about. Uh, there's probably a, a lot of um, comfort in being willing to speak out in addition to playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, there are a lot of great role models that I have in this league, you know, who are doing the same thing. So I really try to, you know, get along in their footsteps and see what they're doing, how they're organizing, what their way of activism is while playing in the best league in the world. You know, I think it's really hard to balance it all. But sometimes I just need to know when I need to take myself out of, you know, all the political mess that's going on and just have to focus on basketball and when I can actually put time into it and further educate myself. You know, I'm still I'm still young. I'm in the process of learning and I'm really all about education and trying to retrieve every single information I can when I have the time to. You mentioned you're young and in the process of learning, and obviously you're thrown into the wobble with a lot of professionals that you may not have had a, a relationship with coming in. So what's it been like yeah. in that sense in trying to find your, your voice and your footing with people that are still trying to figure out who you are, but you all have common ground in the message you're trying to deliver? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm on a social justice council, and I think it's been really great for me to connect with the people from there. So Leija Clarendon has been a great person just to connect with. Uh, you know, being able to listen to her thoughts and motives is just a really great thing. Neka Gumake, being the leader that she is on and off court, is just amazing to connect with her and actually see her in per- person. Or Angela McCarthy, you know, who just offers me her mentorship. And she's she's just a whole bucket. So I think it's great to connect with all of them and talk to them in person because in the end it's different than just connecting via social media. Yeah, you got some good role models out there to connect with. Dallas Wings forward Satu Sabali with us here on Spain and Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's talk about some of the numbers. You are one of only five rookies ever to average 12.8 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. It's Lisa Leslie, Tamika Catchings, Candace Parker, Brianna Stewart. Uh, decent list there, Satu. Um, <laughs> can you talk about how you've been able to have such success so quickly at, at the next level? You know, I would I would really say that it was a struggle in the beginning, but I finally it finally clicked, you know. It was really hard for me in the beginning just to get in and the game was so fast that it never really slowed down to my pace uh in terms of realizing what I can do and what I can't do. And after my back injury, I really, you know, while sitting on the sidelines, I just used that time to look at the game from the outside 
you know, being live on the sidelines. And that has really helped me to slow the game down in my head. So I think that has been really helping me. So I'm playing hard. I'm doing everything that I can. And uh, the numbers come by itself. What has playing in the wobble actually been like for you, having never been in that experience before? Oh, it's basketball, basketball, basketball. You wake <laughs> up, you you wake up, you go to pregame practice. Um, we you get some food, you get treatment, and everything is on the same campus. That means, you know, simple things such as going to the grocery store. We can't do that. You have to order everything, and if you want something really quick, you can either not have it or you have to order it through Uber Eats or whatever, um, trying to find a way to get the things that you need. And it just takes a longer time. So you just don't have like a normal life where you can go to a cafe and just sit down and drink a coffee. We're all in the hotel lobby or in the villas. And <laughs> it's definitely different. But it's also weird to see your opponents every day because, you know, the night before you had hard feelings and the next morning you see them at breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask about that. I wonder, is it almost easier, though, when you've got, I know, unfortunately, um, your role dog, Serena Ionescu, uh, Sabrina Ionescu, uh-huh. unfortunately, had the injury, so she's not in the wobble. She's recovering. But, you know, having teammates, having people that you do know um, right down the villas from you, as opposed to living in a totally different city, has that made the transition any easier? Or are you trying to keep separate from the opponent so that you, you keep that hardened competitive edge? No, I'm definitely trying to connect with them. You know, Marie Gille, she's from Germany as well, and I know her from the national team. I've known her for several years, and that's just great. You know, I try to talk to her, and it's also nice to talk in German <laughs> for <Yeah>. me as <laughs> a little switch up. Um, and then, of course, Ruti is also still here, and we've been able to connect a lot and just talk and, you know, also remember the good old times that were like <laughs> five months ago, but it seemed like a different world. I have to ask, how many languages do you speak? And more importantly, when you're trash talking, do you go to a language somebody (laughs) can't understand? Because that's what I would do every time. (laughs) Well, I speak two languages, English and German, and, you know, school French, which is not uh, perfect. But um, trash talking is more in English, and unfortunately, it's not really good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One of my favorite words is the German word for, and I hope that this is not a lie that my dad taught me as a child, the German word for skyscraper, Vulkenkratzer. Yeah, Vulkenkratzer. <laughs> okay, well, it sounds a lot better when you say it, but... Uh, I still think that's one of the coolest words ever. It sounds like a monster. Uh, Satu, before you go, can you please say in German, you're listening to Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio? Ihr hört Spain and the Fifth auf ESPN Radio. Radio, oh, actually. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm going to go with the radio so from here on out, too. Hey, good luck with the rest of the season. <laughs> keep kicking butt and uh, keep speaking out. Uh, we're really enjoying watching it from afar. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Dallas Wings forward and uh, uh, well on her way to becoming a superstar. Uh, Billboards in Germany and soon to be, I'm sure, in the U.S. if she keeps it up. Satu Sabali with us here on Spain and Fitz. Don't forget to listen to ESPN Audio at Home via your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at Home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes from customization and service to financial assistance. Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. German language. My dad used to try to speak it to us. Uh, He would just say stuff like, it's hot on the deck of the ocean liner. Uh, I can't remember how to say it, but I did remember (laughs) Vulkankotzer.